Thank you for tuning into the Pictures of Lily podcast. I'm your host, Lily Moayeri. I've been a music journalist since 1992, and I interview a lot of music-related people. This podcast is about my experience behind the story, my experience doing the interviews, just to give you a snapshot of what it's like on the other side of the digital recorder. Pictures of Lily. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into the Pictures of Lily podcast. This is episode 34 and the sixth episode in a row about an English dude musician. This was wholly unintentional and also wholly unintentionally it's going to change with our next episode. Stay tuned until the very end of this episode to find out who we'll be talking about next time. I looked up something on some sites this past week and saw some numbers that made me both surprised and very happy and keeps us motivated to continue. You can find us on every platform by going to picturesoflily.com where you can subscribe or follow us and also connect to us on SoundCloud, YouTube, Pandora, and Amazon, although it's really best to listen to the podcast straight from the source at picturesoflily.com as it is the best audio quality. In this episode, I am going to talk about my experiences interviewing and spending time with singer-songwriter Michael Kiwanuka. Did you ever want it? Did you want it back? Oh, my. me apart. a few snapshots of my experiences with Michael Kiwanuka over the last 10 or so years. By now, Michael has become somewhat of a familiar voice, if not a familiar name, because of his song Cold Little Heart being the theme song for the HBO series Big Little Lies. Michael and I were first introduced and became fast friends before the release of his first album, Home Again, in 2012. We met through his manager, who is a close friend of mine going on over 30 years. But even before that, Michael went to high school with my best friend's son, Jackson, and Jackson had name-checked him to me as someone to look out for. All these came together with Michael's very sweet and very gentle personality. Plus, we were very comfortable around each other, so it was easy to become quick friends. Over the years, I've mainly seen Michael when he's come to Los Angeles for shows. During those times, we've spent many a night driving around the city, talking about life and going over every single thing that Michael is worried about, which is everything. Michael is a constant worrier, but what he worries about changes over time. Usually when people are like that, I listen to them, but their worries don't become mine. Michael is such a worrier that he was transferring his worries to me and I was starting to worry about things that I don't ever think about. We talked about this aspect of his personality when I spoke to him not long ago for Spin, and this is what he told me. Outside of music, I don't really worry, but in music, I'm the worst panicker. I realized I was missing really great experiences. Being able to be in America and recording in studios in LA and New York, a lot of making love and hate, I was sitting there worrying the whole time. I didn't really enjoy it or remember the moments because I was just panicking. Even to the point where if I had an idea, I was like, Brian might not like it. Anything I could worry about, I would worry about. 
Through worrying, you're not in the moment. You're thinking about what might happen. You're missing the sunshine outside. You're in one of the coolest studios in the world with two of the coolest producers and one of the producers I've listened to since secondary school. It was the best thing ever. All I'm pretty much doing is panicking. Michael was telling me he didn't worry outside of music and I assured him that he did. That my main memories of him are him worrying about life things and I gave him some examples which made him laugh and he said, I do love a little worry. But then he made a conscious decision to stop worrying at the start of the making of Kiwanuka, for which he won the Mercury Prize last year and was nominated for Best Rock Album at the Grammys this year. This is what he told me. I decided I'm going to accept what I do rather than get embarrassed by it or be shy and have this inferiority complex, this imposter syndrome. The Brian Michael was referring to earlier as Brian Burton, or Danger Mouse as he's better known, a very well-respected producer. Michael and Danger Mouse, along with a British producer called Inflow, have been working together since Michael's second album, the one he was talking about called Love and Hate. Love and Hate is a huge step forward from home again, and I felt that Brian really pulled Michael out of this safe space that Michael had constructed for himself all of his years growing up in London as a black person of African descent. I always felt that Michael was trying to neutralize himself, and I did ask him about it in this most recent interview, and this is what he told me about growing up in Muswell Hill, an affluent neighborhood of London where he didn't see a lot of people like himself. I suppressed who I am, my being African, my being black. In school, I'd be embarrassed for people to come to the flat because I was in Muswell Hill, so there weren't really that many African households. It's so silly because it's things that are the best things ever in life, but I just wanted to fit in. Fish fingers and pasta would be more normal than beautiful Ugandan food, some chicken and brown nut sauce. Everything was just so, let's be English. I love football and mom used to get me these football shirts. Instead of their favorite players, people would put their own names. Because I supported England, I was like, Kiwanuka, that wouldn't be a normal player that would play for England. What would be my football name playing for England? In my head, it was like, it would be K. Samuel because my middle name is Samuel. Everything I would do without knowing would be pure suppression. I don't fit in and I hated it. I got very sad when Michael was telling me these things because that's so many years of his life spent trying to become something he could never be. Even as recently as when he was recording Love and Hate, he told me he asked Danger Mouse and Inflow if he was a white guy and looked like Kurt Cobain, do they think he would sell more records? What makes you blind? I hope to find who I believe in. Get back in line, I can't deny myself, show me the feeling. Don't hesitate, time heals the pain, you ain't the problem. Nirvana and the Strokes and so many of the early 90s and early 2000s bands are what Michael relates to musically. He told me that it was annoying because he should be liking Usher, but he didn't, and it was these other artists that were exciting to him. He said, I thought... Well, how will I be able to get there like the Strokes or Nirvana or whoever looking like me? It would worry me. And that's where the subtle oppression hits you because it's just not true. People don't look at music like that. You think it's about that. As I've grown up, I've realized that being an artist, that's the whole point is that you are something that doesn't work, shouldn't work, shouldn't fit, and that's what makes it exciting. 
You just start a new thing and then everyone wants to have a scruffy afro because you're doing something unique and you're being yourself that it becomes something interesting. But I thought it was all about the aesthetic. It took me a while to work that out. I've been low, I've been high, I've been sold all my lies. I'm a black man in a white world, I'm a black man in a white world, I'm a black man in a white world, I'm a black man in a white, I'm in love. The racial unrest of the last year brought all this stuff up for Michael again. This is what he said. Everything I would do without realizing would be pure suppression. When the unrest started and everyone started to speak out, those feelings came back. It took a toll on me. I was angry because I couldn't believe that's what I used to do, running as far as I could from being Ugandan and black and having this amazing heritage. I couldn't believe how I used to portray myself. Part of me was guilty, part of me was angry, and part of me thought that's how society is. Michael didn't win the Grammy for Best Rock Album. Ironically, he lost to The Strokes, one of the very bands that got him excited about music to begin with. Lauren says the fourth album is always the best one. I told Michael that after I heard Love and Hate, I felt sorry for him because I thought he would never, ever be able to make an album that great again. And then he made Kiwanuka, which is equally as great and shows even more growth as an artist and as a lyricist who is speaking their truth. I feel like I spoke about a lot of personal stuff of Michael's, but not a lot of personal experiences with me and Michael. I can say that Michael is a very inclusive person and has always just brought me along wherever he's been, and that he is a considerate person, and when he asked me very nicely to take him to pick up food at Chick-fil-A, and when he got his food, I asked him very nicely to put it in the trunk as the smell of chicken made me sick, he felt terrible, and he said, why didn't you tell me? We could have gone somewhere else, which then made me feel terrible because he really is such a nice fella. And that's my snapshot of my experiences with Michael Kiwanuka. I've interviewed Michael for Home Again, done a video interview with him for Interscope Records, written a review on Love and Hate, and many show previews, as well as this last interview for Spin, ahead of the now over and done with Grammys, all of which are linked at picturesoflily.com. In the next episode, I will be talking about my experiences, and I have quite a few, with the now defunct Daft Punk from 1997 until 2017, which was the last time I saw either of them in person. That's 20 solid years of good stuff. 
From myself and my co-producer, director, editor, Lawrence Schroeder, thanks for listening. And if you have a chance to subscribe or follow the podcast on any of the podcast platforms, please do so and please rate and review. You can connect to us on picturesoflily.com and from there you can choose your preferred podcast platform or SoundCloud or YouTube or Pandora or Amazon. You can also find the playlist for the podcast episodes on Spotify and YouTube. Thanks for listening. Pictures of Lily.